You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Before the episode, a big thanks to my newest patrons, Johanna and Ace. Thanks so much for your support. If you aren't a patron, go check out patreon.com slash historicalblindness, where for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to an ad-free feed with exclusive blindside episodes and teasers. And at higher tiers, you can unlock early episode release. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Brenna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery of Everything, available everywhere you get your podcasts. On to the show. Welcome to Historical Blindness. I'm Nathaniel Lloyd, and using a magnetometer... I've collected geophysical data that may put a scientific debate to rest, if only I were aware of its significance. In this episode, I look further into the evidence of extraterrestrial impacts in our prehistoric past. For a very long time, there has been consensus among paleontologists that a mass extinction event, sometimes called the Great Dying, occurred around the boundary between the Cretaceous and the Paleogene, or Tertiary periods, a boundary also marking the end of the Mesozoic era and the beginning of the Cenozoic, about 65.5 million years ago. The fossil record stands as clear evidence of a mass extinction around that time, with the fossil remains of dinosaurs being the best known and most illustrative examples of species extinction during that period. However, scientists have not always been in consensus regarding just what caused this mass extinction. Some have theorized that gradual climate change may have made the planet uninhabitable for them, or volcanic activity, or falling sea levels. The idea that an asteroid impacted the Earth was something of an outlier, considered dubious by many, for it seemed so very unlikely that in the vast howling void of space, a meteor or a comet would be on just the right trajectory to collide with our pulsing globe of life. 
let alone that its impact could have such a massive destructive effect on species the world over. But two physicists out of Berkeley, Luis and Walter Alvarez, would change this notion forever. And through the scientific detective work of various disparate specialists and investigators, evidence supporting the Alvarez hypothesis would eventually convince the world that some massive impact resulted in the Cretaceous-Paleogene extinction. But is this known with any certainty? And what doubts or alternative theories persist, making the cause of the extinction of the dinosaurs a prehistoric blind spot? Thank you for listening to this blind spot, The Great Dying and the Chicxulub Crater. In 1977, a young geologist named Walter Alvarez was collecting limestone samples in a little Italian village called Gubbio. What he discovered was that between two layers of limestone marking the Cretaceous and Paleogene boundary, a thin layer of red clay was present. In the Cretaceous layer below, there were a great variety of different species of tiny, fossilized marine creatures called forum, while in the red clay there were none. Then in the Paleogene layer above, there remained only one species of forum. Returning to Berkeley with his samples, Walter consulted his father. Nobel Prize-winning physicist Luis Alvarez, an impressive man with a storied career that included designing the detonator of the bomb dropped on Nagasaki, inventing a radar system commonly used by air traffic controllers, discovering an isotope, and pioneering the use of bubble chambers in particle physics and cosmic ray detection for the purposes of searching for hidden chambers in Egyptian pyramids. Luis Alvarez suggested using neutron activation analysis on the Gubbio samples to determine the length of time it took for the red clay to form. But to their surprise, the most interesting thing this analysis turned up was the immense quantity of iridium in the clay. Of course, as we know from the scientific study of the Tunguska event, iridium is an element common in asteroids and other extraterrestrial objects but not typically present in the crust of the Earth. With further discoveries of this anomaly at other sites, such as New Zealand and Denmark, evidence mounted that some extraterrestrial material had been dispersed across the world at the end of the Mesozoic era, just when the mass extinction was known to have occurred. And what's more, Beyond iridium and some other elements, the Cretaceous-Paleogene boundary layer contained a great deal of soot, indicating some kind of mass conflagration. As the Alvarez hypothesis took shape and gained momentum, a terrifying vision of apocalyptic doom began to form. The idea of an asteroid striking the Earth and causing a tsunami was comprehensible. But that would not account for global devastation of species far inland. But Luis Alvarez's experience with nuclear explosions gave him some insight, for he knew that a blast of great magnitude would throw an immense amount of dust into the stratosphere, theorizing that it could possibly blot out the sun for years, which would result in plummeting temperatures and the death of plant life, and thereafter, of most animal life. 
and based on the iridium levels they had observed, Alvarez inferred that the asteroid must have been massive indeed, at 300 billion tons, and thus its impact would have resulted in an explosion equivalent to 100 billion megatons of TNT. In one second, this world killer would have torn a hole in our atmosphere, superheating to hotter than the surface of the sun, and when it struck, it would have thrown matter halfway to the moon, much of which would have come falling back down as separate meteor strikes. The blast wave would have utterly destroyed all life for a few hundred miles, and creatures beyond that radius faced fires, earthquakes, landslides, and acid rain as the skies filled with dark clouds far worse than any of the so-called dark days I discussed in the latest patron-exclusive Blindside episode. These were dark months, perhaps even benighted for as long as a year as dust clouds filled the atmosphere. 70 to 75% of all life would have died as photosynthesis failed, starving herbivores and thereby reducing the food supply of carnivores. The Alvarez hypothesis was not only horrifying, it had geological evidence to support it, but it remained largely contested by those who subscribed to the theory that the extinction was precipitated by massive volcanic activity in the Deccan Traps region of India. They and others challenged the Alvarez hypothesis, refusing to believe in an impact with no crater as proof. One of the first craters studied as possible proof of the asteroid impact theory was located in Manson, Iowa. This was one of the largest craters ever discovered on the planet at 22 miles in diameter. But Luis Alvarez had estimated the crater of their world killer would have to be more than 100 miles across. Moreover, new evidence had appeared in Haiti, where Florentine Moras of Florida International University discovered an even thicker layer of iridium. When Glenn Isette of the U.S. Geological Survey examined samples from the Haitian layer, he found tektites, little pieces of glass naturally created by meteorite impacts. Drill samples from the Manson, Iowa crater were then compared with the Haitian tektites, settling once and for all through chemical analysis that the Manson impact could not have been the culprit. And this further narrowed the search field for those who had examined the Cretaceous Paleogene boundary sediments at Haiti and the tektite glass therein, including a graduate student named Alan Hildebrand, agreed that the impact site must have been close by, somewhere in the Caribbean. Little did Hildebrand and others searching for the crater realize that their crater had already been found. Leave it to a newspaperman to make that connection. In 1981, Carlos Byers, writing for the Houston Chronicle, suggested that a ring formation recently surveyed on the Yucatan Peninsula was not a volcano as previously believed, but may in fact have been an impact crater. When Byers contacted Alan Hildebrand and shared the idea, Hildebrand followed up, reaching out to the geophysicists who had been studying the formation, not realizing he was about to enter the final chapter of a story that had been unfolding for decades. Now for a brief intermission. 
Hi, listeners. Remember that the ads and sponsors of this program only contribute a small portion of the already meager earnings of this show. If you'd like to contribute to this project and help me turn it into a viable enterprise, remember that you can pledge support on Patreon at patreon.com slash historicalblindness. For as little as a dollar a month, you get access to an ad-free stream of the show that also includes teasers and fully produced patron-exclusive bonus episodes. And at higher tiers, you can get early access to episodes and other perks. Become a patron of the show today and get the full story. What really happened on the unsinkable Titanic? What made the 1904 St. Louis Marathon the strangest event in Olympic history? Whatever became of missing boy Bobby Dunbar? And who was the child who returned in his place? If these questions interest you, check out the History Uncovered podcast, brought to you by the digital publisher of All That's Interesting. History Uncovered explores the strange and obscure parts of history that you definitely didn't learn about in school. Hosted by the writers and editors of All That's Interesting, the show covers a wide variety of topics, ranging from the forgotten media spectacle of cave explorer Floyd Collins' death, to the disappearance and possible cannibalization of Michael Rockefeller, to the true story that inspired The Exorcist. With more than 100 episodes, you're bound to find that they've covered a topic that's especially interesting to you. And each month, they produce a special History Happy Hour episode, examining recent news in the fields of world history and archaeology, and commemorating important historical anniversaries. Come explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past by listening to History Uncovered, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. I'm Peter Laws, the host of the hit podcast Frightful, which offers very scary true stories. But as I research that show, I keep finding other true tales that aren't so terrifying and yet are fascinating and often deeply moving. That's why I launched a second podcast called Our Curious Past, telling forgotten incidents from history told in immersive audio with music, sound effects, and on-location recording. For example, you can join me on location in an underground nuclear bunker in England as I learned how Britain prepared for the potential of war in the 1980s. I loved recording on location in Transylvania to uncover the history of this beautiful and spooky land beyond the forest. And I was particularly touched by the big response to my episode on the Nazi massacre of urhador suglin an entire French village that was invaded by the Nazis in 1944. To be honest, it was sometimes hard to narrate that without breaking into tears. So why not join me, Peter Laws, by searching our curious past in podcast apps? Because, you know, sometimes it's the unique moments from another person's yesterday that helps us understand ourselves today. Now, back to the show. In 1947, Pemex, the National Mexican Oil Company, performed a gravity survey of the Yucatan Peninsula in search of fossil fuel deposits, and they picked up a semicircular formation that looked promising. However, when they drilled the area in the 1950s, they came up empty-handed. 
drilling near the pueblo of Chicxulub, a village whose name meant the Devil's Tail in Mayan, they turned up no oil, but rather some odd samples of volcanic rock. Being that there were no known volcanoes in the region, it was theorized that the circular formations their survey had perceived were from a long extinct and buried volcano. More than a decade later, after capping their failed wellheads, Pimex contracted Robert Baltosser to reconsider their gravity survey data, and Baltosser was the first to recognize the presence of an ancient crater, as he had previously surveyed a crater site in Tennessee. So the discovery was made, but Baltosser had signed a confidentiality agreement and Pimex was not in the business of publicizing data that might prove to be valuable. Thus, the existence of the massive crater remained a secret. In 1978, Glenn Penfield Another contractor was mapping magnetic fields for Pemex using survey flights over the sea off the Yucatan coast. He discovered a magnetic anomaly and mapped out a huge semicircular ridge beneath the water. And when he compared it with the company's old gravity map, he found to his astonishment that they matched, forming a perfect circle. He realized he had made a momentous discovery, but like Baltasar before him, he was bound by his agreement with Pemex not to publish his findings. However, he knew that a journalist learning of the discovery would certainly be able to publish. So Penfield arranged for a reporter acquaintance, Carl Byers of the Houston Chronicle, to be present at a meeting of the Society of Exploration Geophysicists when he and his colleague would be presenting a report of their findings. The plan worked. Byers published the story and thereafter put Penfield in touch with Hildebrand, the grad student who was becoming a major player in the search for the impact site that would prove the Alvarez hypothesis. In 1990, Hildebrand and Penfield began their joint search for evidence that could prove not only the existence of the Chicxulub crater, but also its responsibility for the great dying. Evidence, however, would not be easy to come by. The data Penfield had turned over to Pemex had gone through a normalization process that erased some of the magnetic anomalies that had been telltale signs of an extraterrestrial impact. Those anomalies remained on the original data records, but those tapes had been lost somehow. The only evidence of what Penfield had observed beneath the sea off of the Yucatan Peninsula now lay filed away somewhere at Pimex headquarters, under lock and key, and Pimex, already resentful that Penfield had spoken about his findings at a meeting of geophysicists, was not inclined to share them. So they went in search of the drill samples that had been taken in the 50s, which they discovered had been stored in a warehouse in Veracruz. Unfortunately, that warehouse had burned down, and when he arrived to sift through the ashes, he found that it had been bulldozed. Penfield's only hope then was to search the towns where Pimex's failed wellheads had been capped. 
and eventually he found that several of the core samples had been taken and distributed for study. Upon examining the melted sedimentary rock that many had previously believed to be the result of volcanism, they discovered the presence of quote-unquote shocked quartz, which is only ever formed at impact sites. Thus, the Chicxulub formations were proven to be an impact crater, and further study has only further proven the crater's existence. At 110 miles in diameter, it was the likeliest suspect to prove the Alvarez hypothesis, which today is supported by the majority of the scientific community. Scientific consensus does not make for scientific certainty, however, nor for objective truth. There had been many ridiculous hypotheses before the Alvarez hypothesis, namely that dinosaurs had died off because of how very stupid they were, because they had eaten too much or eaten the wrong things and poisoned themselves, or because they had failed to procreate or just wasted away from some kind of primeval ennui. But like the dinosaurs, most of these theories died off with the coming of the asteroid theory. However, one old hypothesis has persisted. Some scientists still point to the Deccan Trap volcanic eruptions as the culprit. All four of the major extinction events before the Great Dying had been as a result of volcanic activity, releasing carbon dioxide and sulfur into the atmosphere. This is generally agreed upon, and much evidence indicates that the fifth extinction event at the Cretaceous-Paleogene boundary coincided with the voluminous eruption of one of the largest volcanoes on Earth in the Deccan Traps. It seems absurd to suggest that this volcanism had nothing to do with it, for certainly if both were occurring, then both probably contributed to the poisoning of the world's air. The two theories, after all, are not so very different. Both take a catastrophist view of prehistory, imagining very sudden and calamitous changes rather than a gradual transformation. Recently, some of the gradual views of dinosaur extinction have started to regain traction. In 2016, a phylogenetic study of dinosaur speciation published statistical evidence that dinosaur speciation, the ability to spawn new species as others went extinct, had been declining for tens of millions of years. This, however, doesn't diminish the significance of the effects that volcanism or a massive extraterrestrial impact would have. Rather, it only shows that dinosaurs would have been especially susceptible to extinction at the time. One scientist, a Princeton micropaleontologist named Goethe Keller, has actually challenged the idea that an impact at Chicxulub could have caused the Great Dying. According to her research, the object that struck the Yucatan Peninsula arrived 300,000 years before the Great Dying actually occurred, and so could not be responsible for it. Moreover, she argues that since the layers at Chicxulub-containing microtectites were lower than the layers containing iridium, then the iridium layer discovered around the world could not have been from the Chicxulub impact.
While her claims have been contested, Keller remains steadfast, insisting that a sudden extinction likely required the coincidental combination of massive volcanism in the Deccan Traps and a massive extraterrestrial impact, but insisting that Sheikh Shalub is not the one that did it. And now we have a new candidate, a hypothesized 310-mile-wide crater that just happens to be located offshore of India and the Deccan Traps volcanic plateau. This crater has been named Shiva after the Hindu god of destruction. Other smaller impact sites dating to the Cretaceous-Paleogene boundary have started to turn up as well, like Manson, Iowa, and the 15-mile-wide crater in the Ukraine at Boltish. A picture begins to form of monstrous life forms already in decline and vulnerable to disaster, and a world reeling from colossal volcanic activity suddenly pummeled by a series of enormous asteroids, perhaps a swarm or perhaps cast off from one initial impact. But like all theories about the Great Dying, this is just conjecture. It is an informed opinion supported by fact, but still only an opinion. And this, perhaps the most significant event in Earth's past, which was directly responsible for the emergence of humanity as the dominant life form on the planet, may forever remain enigmatic. Thanks for listening to Historical Blindness, the Odd Past podcast. I want to thank my diligent partner patrons, Marina, Joe, Michael, Robert, Jacob, Diane, and David. When we put our heads together and share our research, it turns out we know more than we thought. Some music on this episode was provided by film composer Alex Kish. Check out his work at alexkishmusic.com. While you're online, visit the blog at historicalblindness.com to see images and find links to further reading and citations for academic sources. You can also find book recommendations for almost every topic in the Books tab, as well as a link to my own book, Manuscript Found, a historical novel about the rise of the anti-Masonic political party and the composition of the Book of Mormon. If you liked the episode or are a fan of the show, give it a rating and a review wherever you can especially iTunes, and follow on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time, don't sign that non-disclosure agreement. Corporations shouldn't own knowledge or file away history. All you need is a few minutes to start your day off with something historic when you listen to the This Day in History podcast. Every day, there's a new episode for you to listen and learn about what happened that day way back when. So listen and subscribe to This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. That's This Day in History wherever you get your podcasts. History isn't black and white, yet too often it's presented as such. Grey History, the French Revolution is a long-form history podcast dedicated to exploring the ambiguities and nuances of the past. From a revolution of hope and liberty to the infamous reign of terror, you can't understand the modern world without understanding 
the French Revolution. So search for the French Revolution today.